everybody. Thank you for tuning in to episode 71 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father, four ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back. The Path Back is an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction and compulsive sexual behavior. If you or anybody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. There you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And I'll make this really quick. Please visit tonyoverbay.com. Sign up now to be the first on the list to learn more about some upcoming programs that I'm working on in the areas of parenting, communication, marriage, and much, much more. And please stop by the Virtual Couch YouTube channel and subscribe. Uh, many of the videos of previous guest interviews are up there. And you can also follow me on Twitter either at Couch Virtual or at Tony Overbay. And on Instagram, um, we're at uh, Virtual Couch. And I want to encourage anybody who is dealing with any type of betrayal trauma to please visit bloomforwomen.com. Betrayal trauma is very real, and the symptoms are, are similar to PTSD. Uh, the people who have designed the Bloom for Women site and the content on the site have years and years of research under their belts, and I want to assure you that there is help. Um, I personally have done extensive training in the field of betrayal trauma. So if you are experiencing the betrayal of a spouse for an affair, an emotional affair, if you've recently discovered that your partner has a pornography addiction, please stop by bloomforwomen.com and use the coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, for a month's free access to their evidence-based information, programs, and entire community of support designed to help you grow and heal. And again, that's bloomforwomen.com. Okay, let's get to today's topic. Tell me more about that. And why did I title today's podcast, Tell Me More About That? And it's because one of the, the main questions that I get asked and when people even leave my office when I'm working with individuals or couples in the realm of, of productive communication, this EFT model of communication, emotionally focused therapy model of communication, or a nurtured heart parenting style of communication uh, the, the, what I hear often, and I appreciate this, I can understand this is that, Hey, you make it sound so easy of good, productive, strength-based responses. But when I get home, I get really upset or frustrated. And so I will, you know, I, I won't quite respond with the empathy that I want to. And so I've wanted to put this episode together for a while, but I have to tell you, let me take you on my train of thought and share with you one of the reasons why this has been difficult for me to put this episode together. The reason why is because I honestly, I get several emails a week where I get people asking me, can you just put a list together of phrases that are better responses than because I told you so, or, you know, um, just do it, you know, or because I've already been there when I was a kid. And so you just need to listen and you just need to trust me on these things. So what are some more strength-based empathetic responses rather than those, kind of like the topic today. Uh, hey, tell me more about that. And I've been so in my head, I think, about not getting all of the phrases down in one episode and in this episode not being perfect. But then I realize there's a little bit of that imposter syndrome. There's a little bit of that um, perfectionism. And so I just wanted to get an episode down so you can understand or a little bit more where I'm coming from about what I like to refer to as uh, productive conversations, strength-based conversations, whether with our teens, which I'll do a lot of modeling today, or even with our spouses or our employees in a work environment. Uh, I do have to also tell you that when my one of my daughters was young, bless her heart, 
But when she would play with her friends, she she basically had a script almost that she wanted her friends to say. So they would all be playing with these little dolls or people. We had this uh, really cool playroom in one of these big doll houses. And she would tell the kids, uh, the ones she was, she was playing with, okay, now you say this, and now you say this, and now I'll say this, and you say this. And uh, we just think, oh, you know, uh, hey, let your friends say the things that they want to. And our daughter would look at us so frustrated because I think in her mind she was thinking, but but this is the way I see this conversation going. This is the th- the way that I think the conversation would be best with these uh, these dolls or these people that we're playing with. So uh, there's a part of me that worries that I'm doing the same thing right now. Just say this you know, to the parents that might be listening now or to the spouse. Just say it this way. So, all right, let me kind of do a little bit. Let me back up a little bit, kind of set the stage just in case I have some uh, new listeners just jumping on board right now. I, when I deal with teenagers in particular, and I'm not an all or nothing statement guy, but I, I will tell you every teenager I believe that I have ever met with, one of the ways to quickly build rapport from my, from my point of view is to say, hey, have your parents ever said you can come to me with anything? And this is one of those things where I believe every teenager will tell me, yeah, I've heard that before. They've said, hey, champ, you can come and talk to me about anything, anytime my door is open. But then when the teenager comes to the parent and says, hey, I wrecked the car or I, I failed a class or I've smoked pot or I've you know, broken curfew or any of those kind of things, what happens? And even yesterday when I was speaking, I got to speak to a congregation. You can just watch when I lay this out. The parents all kind of smile and giggle and laugh because as a parent, we've all done the thing where come tell me anything. But then when you tell me the things I don't want to hear, I'm going to react. And so that reaction then does what? It uh, now tells the kid that, hey, you really can't come and tell me anything. You can just come and tell me the things that I want you to tell me. Or if you're going to come tell me something, you better come up with a pretty good excuse as to why you're doing that. If you fail the class, you know, you better get pretty creative with your excuses. Now, the parent's not saying that. The parent's saying, no, I just want you to be honest with me. But what the kid hears is, right. But if I don't say things that you want to hear, you're going to explode. So now the kid slowly begins to control the flow of information. And from there, add a nice little dose of, hey, they're teenagers anyway. And, uh, and you can see how we start to get into the world of unproductive communication. Or when, when kids, and I'm saying kids, but I mean teenagers, young adults, that sort of thing. But then when they now feel like they can't just be open, so many other factors come into play now. There are going to be times where they're going to do the classic stall. If I don't say anything, then maybe my parents, it'll just blow over, which happens a lot because as parents, we get busy and we do move on to the next thing. And oftentimes as parents, we think, you know, that thing happened a couple of days ago and I should have talked to uh, my kid about it then. I haven't. So I guess I'll just kind of let that move on. First of all, can I just dispel that? That's a that is a myth. So you can go back and talk to your kids about anything you want, anytime you want. That's uh, it's part of just being a parent or that's part of communicating. But so but so how do we then get past that? Hey, champ, you can tell me anything. Um, and now I'm going to explode. So, of course, as parents, it's very important that we start to work on our reaction. And this is where my first plug of the day for mindfulness will come into play, where, you know, if we can even just have one little pause, just one little break before we respond. And you can even recognize your thoughts or feelings or emotions when they say, hey, I failed a class. Your immediate response in your head, sure, is going to be, oh, my gosh, I've, you know, we've talked about this 100 times and and I've told you I will I will get whatever you need. We can get tutors or or why, you know, every time I see you playing a video game or on your phone, you should be studying or those things are normal. They're going to go through our head. But just blurting those out, is that going to be productive at this point? No, um, it's really not. 
So the first step is what we have to do is we have to go into empathy mode. Um, so empathy mode is, again, we need to find out what is going on for our teenager. And here's where a lot of those, uh, here's where the work starts to, to come into play. And I love it. My wife and I were having this discussion last night, and I really felt like she laid it out well. Um, she she kind of explained that the hard part about empathy, and I want to find this. I wrote this down. I'd never really heard this. She's like, you haven't heard this before? Here it is. Um, empathy. Empathy takes time. How do you spell empathy? T-I-M-E. So uh, I'd never heard that put that way before. But so empathy takes time. If, uh, if, you're, if your kid comes to you with a problem, honestly, you most of the time know an answer. You've been through that problem before. And even if it's, uh, hey, my, my friends keep um, texting me while I'm trying to do my homework and, I, and it's so annoying and I, you know, I try to tell them not to, what should I do or that's so frustrating, you know, and I'm going to get into this example here in a minute, but as a parent, you just want to say, hey, turn your phone off <laughs> or tell them not to. Um, but here's where empathy has to come into play. You know, it's human nature to want to tell tell our kids what to do because that takes like, and I, was, I have on my notes two minutes, but really it takes two seconds. But the right thing to do is to now go into the mode of being empathetic. Um, this is where we ask them, hey, tell me, tell me what's going on there. Uh, what do you typically do in that situation? And then the empathy answer can take time. It can take an hour. It can take two hours. And in the long run, the empathy piece is what builds the relationship with your teen or with your partner. Instead of just telling them what to do. Now, that's what I call that is a fixing or judgment statement. So the empathy needs to happen first. And again, let's do a very, very quick rundown on empathy. Empathy versus sympathy. And I've said this in a couple of podcasts before, but I look at this as um, empathy versus sympathy. If you walk, if you're walking down the road and you look over and someone is falling into a pit and you say, Hey, uh, I'm so sorry you're in that pit. That looks really, really bad. And I really hope you get out. And I'm so sorry that you're in that situation and good luck. That, that's sympathy. You know, you're sad. It's, it's sorry. You're sad to see somebody down in that pit. Empathy. What, what does empathy look like? Empathy. You see somebody in that pit. You jump down in that pit with them. You say, Oh my goodness. Tell me how you got here. And what was that like? And what's your experience been in like being in pits in the past and look around you and, and, you know, what do you do when you're in a situation like this? Or have you been in one before? Or these walls? What do you think? Do they look too high? Are you afraid of the dirt? Um, what if I, what if I let you step up on my back? Are you afraid of heights? Are you worried about that you'll break my back? What's your experience been like? That's empathy. When somebody feels like you really understand them, when you have this empathetic response to them, when they really feel like you understand that is when you can have more of a productive communication. That is when they are now willing to possibly listen to some of the things that you can share, some of the suggestions that you have. So here's what we get into with the um, things to say. So let me go through that cell phone example. Okay. Uh, I had a, a daughter at one time. She was, she was struggling to get, to get some homework done. And I was so grateful for this, but she she came to my wife and I and said, hey, I really I'm getting a little bit behind on my homework and I just I'm really struggling. And, you know, I just my friends keep texting me questions and and I probably funny things, too. And she just says it's so annoying. That was that's one of the phrases I hear from teens a lot these days. Here's the old man. I mean, kids these days. It's so annoying. So, of course, my response in my head wanted to be, hey, uh, 
turn off your phone, you know, or, or don't respond. I mean, that's the part where I wanted to fix it within about two or three seconds. Now, if I say that, that's a fixing statement, right? So if I say, just do this, that's where, you know, you should turn off your phone. That's where I'm, I'm shooting on them. No one wants to be shoot on, uh, because you haven't done any empathy work. So the empathy work would say, all right, um, hey, tell me more about that. Or, Tell me what's going on. You know, how does that feel when they do that? Or help me understand why it's, you know, help me understand why it's hard to, uh, what's hard about that. Or, or, you know, what have you tried to do or what hasn't worked or what, what has worked in the past or what's your experience been with telling your friends that you, you can't text them back right now. So the first thing to do is just to gather information and that's done through empathy. And any of, during any of those questions, you might get, they're going to get, some responses where you're going to want to say, okay, that's ridiculous. Or you just need to do this. Or you're going to want to even jump into, you know, when I was a kid, my friends would do that to me. And here's what I did. But we're not even, we have to do the empathy work before we can even get to that point of the conversation. So, so in that, in that particular example, after you have done a lot of empathy work, um, now, and here's where some of the semantics of language come into play. You can try and lead the conversation of your team coming up with the solution. Because if you just start jumping out there and throwing out these things of, well, tell them that you have homework to do. Tell them your mom and dad said you, they get, that you can't have your phone right now. Or just turn your phone off. You know, that's where you're going to say that you're going to hear a lot of this resistance, automatic resistance. They'll, they'll tell you, I've tried that and it doesn't work. Or you just don't understand. And the worst part about that is that then in those situations, if they feel like there was no empathy or understanding, guess what? They're not going to come and tell you about it the next time. They may even just uh, continue to get bad grades and not even make you aware of what some of their struggles are. So in this situation, after you say, hey, you know, tell me what's going on there. Tell me what's difficult about that. That's now when you get to say, now it's, you know, you've done that empathy, that empathy work. You have a little bit more understanding of the situation. Now is when you get to say the things like, hey, I wonder if it would help if, right? Or what would it look like if you, if you told them, hey, I'm only going to check my phone every 15 minutes? Or um, how do you think it would feel if you maybe gave me your phone and then every 30 minutes you came and checked on that? Or, you know, tell me more about what that would look like if you just turned your phone off for the night. What do you think would happen? And so now you're providing solutions, but you're also kind of done in the form of a question, which are helping your, your teen actually come up with the, with the solution of what would work for them. So, you know, and, and I'm, I hear this all the time where people will say, Hey, I've, I've tried those things and it doesn't work. But I promise you that at this point, yeah, you maybe tried those things, but you maybe haven't done the empathy work. So there, there is a new communication sheriff in town. This, this is, this is going to be the new normal. They have to establish that work of empathy. It's a complete paradigm shift. And I often use this phrase, trust the process. It works. Uh, no offense, but if, if you're, if what you're doing right now is not working very well, I mean, I think in the words of who is it, Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Is that, you know, we need to change up the paradigm. We need to change up the way that you communicate. And it's going to take time. Sometimes it can take months. A lot of times, especially as parents, I remember one parent telling me that after one conversation that went well, they thought that they were in an all new place. Like, okay, now I'm communicating with my teen. Then the next conversation was back to the teen being angry, unreasonable, going back to the, you know, mom, you don't understand. It's so annoying. And guess what? That's okay. Again, our new the new place that we're working from is this place where we're going to go in with empathy and understanding. We're going to turn off our fixing and judgment brain. We're going to listen, and then we're going to be able to share what we call in the business our truths, okay? 
Because, um, yeah, in the moment, it does take time. I mean, it really does. Doing that empathy work takes time. And in and, and, and reality, it's going to take months. I mean, even, heaven forbid, it take years, but you're actually developing a relationship with your with your teen and you're not just shutting them down. So this is the thing where then they will be able to come to you. So, you know, hopefully, and, and I really do believe this, on the inside that after you're doing this empathy work for 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever, that on the inside, your teen really is thinking, man, actually, my parents really get it. And uh, and then when the parent just says, man, I just wish there was some way that we could fix this, or I wonder if this would work. Now the teenager kind of feels like, wow, we're, we're tackling this together. I'm not just being told this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, I like to use the phrase fixing and judgment statements. And I've had a couple of people email me and say, hey, I've Googled fixing and judgment statements, or I've looked on, you know, for uh, emotionally focused therapy, EFT. I've looked, I've Googled EFT and fixing and judgment statements, and I can't quite find anything about that. And I want to let you know, I... For the most part, I believe I made that, that up, the fixing and judgment statements. Um, so I want to break that down for a minute too. Fixing, those are easy when we're trying to fix problems. Uh, after one of these events yesterday, um, I was talking with someone, it was a it was a grandma, and she was talking about working with uh, or talking to one of her granddaughters. And her granddaughter sounds incredibly sharp and incredibly talented and is often the case, especially for grandparents, I feel like when, when the grandparent hears that a grandson or a granddaughter is um, maybe struggling with some things, anxiety, depression, confidence issues, and the grandma just sees the, 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 the granddaughter or grandson for just this just wonderful person that they are, it's hard to not go into fixing mode of just to say, you know, if, if, if a person does open up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I have anxiety or I have depression. It's hard, I think, for a grandparent or a parent to even just say, Hey, you've got so much going for you though. You know, you're beautiful, you're talented. So basically what they're saying though, that's a fixing statement or a judgment statement, right? The judgment part of that is saying, Hey, you're, you shouldn't be feeling this way. You, you know, I don't know what you're, you have to complain about. You have all these wonderful talents and things going on for you. Or if, you know, the fixing statements, again, fixing statements are fairly easy. That's just simply trying to fix their problem. So this is where if a teenager comes to you and says that, uh, hey, I'm, I'm really, my friends text me too much and it makes it difficult for me to do my homework. The fixing statement is the one that just says, well, then tell them that you can't respond to them or just don't respond to them. So that one's where we're just trying to fix their problem without understanding what their experience is like. But judgment, let me talk for just a brief moment about judgment. Judgment. First, there are times when we do need to judge, but even for the non-religious, I would say judge righteously, meaning um, there are times, there are people, uh, situations, times in life where where you do need to take in a lot of factors. There is going to be judgment but it's uh, it's more of a righteous judgment. I, there's a be- there's got to be a better word for that. But here's the example. So righteous judgment, meaning my wife and I were at the mall a couple of weeks ago. There's a an amazing place I think called Potato Corner, and they make tater tots. And tater tots, oh my goodness, uh, I don't know what it is about tater tots, but I love tater tots. So we're sitting there waiting for these tater tots, and there's a guy that's kind of hanging out there. And honestly, the guy is scary. I mean, the guy is uh, he's he's kind of saying things that sound pretty angry. He's pacing back and forth. And so, you know, I judge that situation because I have my family around me and I kind of pull us back a little bit. And so is that, you know, is that unfair? Should I not be judging that person? Um, I think that's okay to judge there. Uh, Judgment on friends, judgment on potential partners. Um, Sure, we can actively not project hatred towards somebody, but it's okay for righteous judgment. So when I'm talking about fixing and judgment statements, the judgment is 
if we are just immediately, I mean, we can have, we can judge from a good place. Even we can, we can come from a good place with judgment and still shut down a teenager. So this is that situation where if our teenager is saying, um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to do a certain activity. And then we say, okay, that's ridiculous. Look at all the opportunities that I've given you, or you liked this, this other thing one time. And so you should like, you know, the activity that you're talking about now, those are judgment statements. Those are basically just saying, look, uh, I don't really care what the data or information is that you're providing me with. You need to do it this other, this way. I'm not listening to what your experience is or what you're sharing. So that's a judgment statement. Uh, a couple more things. So um, I, I just want to make sure that we kind of cover this point of empathy isn't just a checklist item. It's not a one and done. Um, it's a checklist item for every, each and every conversation. Because if not, again, we're just falling back into that pattern of telling our teen or our kid what to do. You will be able to speak your truths if you stay in the conversation. I think that's such an important part. A lot of times parents want to get to the point where they can say something that they really believe to be true. But if they start with that truth, then that's what's going to shut the, the teenager down. And, and I, I can't state that enough. In a, in a productive, um, emotionally focused therapy EFT conversation, Remember, when a teenager is expressing themselves, that's the thing we call it. We call it an emotional bid. They're basically sharing some of their heart with you. It takes a lot. They're being vulnerable. They're saying, this is my experience. So then when you jump into that empathy mode that we talked about earlier, you are going to gather data. You're going to find out more about your teen. And if you can turn off that fixing and judgment part of your brain, number one, your teen is going to feel heard. They're going to feel listened to. And number two, you are going to learn more about what their experience is like, what, what their relationship is like with their friends or their relationship is like um, with you as a parent. And so we want that information. We want to gather that data. That's important. So then once we hear that information, of course, now, again, we're going to have more data than we had before. And our teen is going to feel like that we care, that we're engaged, that we're not just trying to. Um, just, you know, shut them down or tell them here's what they need to do. Then you get to speak your truths. And that's when it becomes important, the semantics of language, those, those you know, non-judgment statements. That's when you get to use those, hey, now that I've heard where you're coming from, what would it look like if we did this? Or how would you feel if you did this? Or, you know, hey, tell me more about, you know, your feelings around what you shared about your friends. Or, hey, where do you think this comes from when you have this difficulty in communicating? Or help me understand why, you know, what that's like for you and, and what your friends are asking you when they text you while you're trying to get your homework done. Or, you know, what has your experience been with, you know, telling your friends you can't text or you, you can't text back right now or you just want to understand them more. And then you get to share your truths. I think that's a, a big thing is a lot of times parents feel like, but I know how to fix this or I know what to say. Yeah, but do the empathy work. And then what you say is going to hold so much more. Um, it's going to be more, much more impactful. So, you know, again, going back to this phone example, if you just say to your kid, uh, yeah, hey, just put your phone away. You know, it, it's like your kids thought, oh, I've never thought of that before. Of course they have. Um, and of course that, you know, a lot of times they know that's what a parent's going to say. Surprise them with empathy. Um, the cost of, of good communication. Uh, I mean, a great relationship with your kids is going to take time. It seems so much easier to just say, put your phone away and you'll have a hundred things going on in your own life. And that's normal. And the easy, you know, the easy path is to fix and judge. The more difficult path, the, the path that's going to take more time is to jump in with empathy 
and then understanding and then be able to share these these conversations, these these responses that are going to be productive, that aren't going to shut somebody down. I'll, I will give you a couple of quick examples and I'll wrap this up. Uh, a couple of them that I wrote down. I had a, I remember early on, there was a, a boy that had come in, um, a teenage boy, and he, he was struggling with reading. And I finally got his mom and dad both in my office. And so they were just saying, he just needs to apply himself more. And, you know, they're so frustrated and he's not doing his reading. And I had had a chance to meet with him individually. I knew there was more, more to the story. And so, you know, the, the parent just uh, continued to say, you just need to put in more time and effort. And so there was a lot of this, just the, the kind of the fixing and judgment statements. And so finally we got the kid to talk about, and I know this seems like it's, you know, I'm teeing this one up probably, but then he shared that he, he had struggled with dyslexia, um, had a learning disability. And he, he felt like the last thing he could do was open up to his parents about it because his parents were both just these vociferous readers. They both loved to read so much that he just felt like he was really going to disappoint them or let them down. And it was a really tender moment in the office when he shared that because then it was like, oh my gosh, why didn't you tell me? And he said, because I, I was pretty sure you guys would be disappointed in me. And so, you know, I was so grateful that they were able to pause and that they were able to say, okay, hey, tell me about what's hard about reading or why do you feel like you get behind and that sort of thing. So that was one of those moments where, thank goodness, um, we could, we, we finally, I got this, these parents to, uh, slow down with their kind of fixing and judgment statements. Um, you know, I've also had some examples of uh, PE class. Uh, somebody wanted to change a PE class and and a parent that uh, just was kind of telling them, hey, there's going to be hard things in life. And and just because you don't like this teacher or or whatever it is, you know, you don't just change class. And then the, the this one was a teenage girl who finally opened up and said that, you know, she was being bullied in the class. And uh, so she really wanted to, to change. It wasn't about the teacher. She had thrown out there that she didn't like the teacher because she was worried about if she really expressed what really she felt like was going on, that uh, that her parent would then go and tell the administrators and that she would get in trouble and that the kids would bully her more and that sort of thing. So um, really being able to sit there and listen empathetically is uh, is really a key. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, for hanging in there with me today. And uh, hopefully that there was some some uh, some takeaways from today. I mean, I think the main ones are in order to have more productive communication. And we want to watch out for these fixing and judgment statements. We want to go, we want to, we want to learn. We want to become very good at empathy. We want to view when our teenager, um, we want them to be able to feel like they can come to us with anything. And so we got to watch our reaction. And then when they present us with whatever that anything is, that at times it's really important to really take a pause um, just just enough of a pause that we don't just react and shut our teenager down. And then from that point, we do the empathy work, and then we get to follow up with our truths. And those are those things that we get to say that are going to sound incredibly productive, and you're going to get really good at them. What would it look like if? How do you think you would feel if? Tell me more about. Where do you think that comes from? Help me understand why it's important to you. What's your experience been with? These are all much more productive phrases than, are you kidding me? Or that's ridiculous. Or, you know, when I was young, when I was your age, I did this. Those are all fixing and judgment statements. They're going to shut somebody down. I promise you that if you kind of start to operate from this new baseline of communication, 
that, that you will find your communication with your teens much more productive. And then over time, you will have these amazing experiences where you'll be able to stay in a communicate uh, in a conversation with your, with your kids. You're going to learn so much more about them and you're going to hear more of these phrases like, Hey, I really appreciate uh, you being there for me, mom or dad. And, uh, and I loved this talk and you're going to learn so much more about your teen. You're going to feel more confident in your parenting. And uh, there are going to be times where it's not going to work perfectly. And guess what? That's okay. But what we're looking for is just to, to kind of change the entire narrative and uh, change the paradigm of where communication is coming from. And, and you will find it much more productive, which is going to raise your confidence, your own emotional baseline as a parent. And uh, that's going to then bleed through into all different kinds of things in your life. And it is such a wonderful feeling. All right. Um, a lot of episodes in the can already. So can't wait uh, to, uh, to, for you to hear a lot of the things that are coming on the virtual couch in the coming days and weeks. And please continue to send your uh, questions to contact at TonyOverbay.com. Um, real quick plug again for the, our sponsor, Eli's Extracts. Go to Eli's, E-L-I-S-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S, and use coupon code VIRTUALCOUCH, all one word, for 25% off of all of their all-natural organic shave cream scented with essential oils. And look for the Money Pants app, and wherever you get your app, and that is uh, the Captain Money Pants solution, which is a way to, uh, to really take control of, uh, of your family and the family finances and, and to be able to, um, to reward your kids for hard work. How would that be? So uh, grateful for the sponsors of The Virtual Couch. And now we'll take you away with the lovely, the talented Aurora Florence. And it's wonderful. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside the things that matter most and 
Just might in 